Before we officially start this podcast, I just want to remind everyone that the IB Sports Podcast Network is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. If you're on iTunes, we would appreciate it if you would rate and review five stars, please. You can also find IB Sports on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There is also a premium membership that allows you to post without being approved by an admin, levy fines, receive free gambling picks, and a whole lot more. With your host, Keith Fleming and Joe Matz. This week, we'll be previewing eight of the NFL season. We are coming off, Joe, yet another week where, I mean, our picks have been so good. I'm almost embarrassed to tell people about them because if you've not listened before, uh, there's just no way we can keep up this pace. Uh, <laughs> discretion with people like we will not continue to have like 65 percent of our plays uh be like i mean the only way you can describe them is home runs for their value um but i think we definitely are on to something because this is now three weeks in a row where over half of our picks have been really good we continue to just hammer some of those middle and low tier picks uh at positions which i love seeing but last week at quarterback uh I mean, just goodness gracious. Uh, I know you really like Kyler Murray. You didn't go with him because we, we agreed on several other picks. But he had 41.1 points. You had Aaron Rodgers at your top tier. He had 27.32. No harm in either one of those. Our number two play last week was Justin Herbert. He he rewarded us with 41.48 points. I mean, your low-tier guard Minshew got you 19.02 points most weeks. Uh, we would be pretty happy taking a guy in the 5,000 range if he gets 19 points uh, because that's really what you're looking for is just to get value for that position. But if you can get Joe Burrow for $100 more here <laughs> and he gets 38.64 points, even better. Uh, I, that was, you know, quarterbacks has been my weakest position uh, the last five, six weeks we've been doing this and told this week where I have two guys score 41 points, another guy score 38. And then, of course, I didn't use them, but in like one entry, uh, because my picks of quarterback have been so bad, I didn't trust them. Uh, our running back plays were equally as good. You had Alvin Kamara. He had 22.8 points. He is just almost bulletproof. Uh, you know, he, he was at a pretty high yes. tag at 8,100. He had a bad game. I mean, he didn't have a hundred yards. <laughs> he he didn't have yards receiving. He didn't have a touchdown. And he scored 22.8 points, which I would take from any player at any position. Uh, we both talked about, uh, I had Aaron Jones. I, I mentioned though, that Jamal Williams would be my play. Uh, if you could not have Aaron Jones, cause of how bad the Texans run defense was, he rewarded us with 21.4 points. Uh, my middle tier peer hurt or pick hurts. Todd Gurley, 22.2 points, man. I would trade those last seven points that he got on the touchdown that he shouldn't have ran in the end zone uh, uh, late in the game, but it is what it is. I guess it did help my fantasy lineups. Uh, you were big on Joe Mixon. You said that if not Joe Bernard, and again, he was such a cheap play. You could have had him for $4,000. He went on to score 20.6. Our low-tier picks were not good. We won't go over those. Uh, and wide receiver, we both took a Falcon guy as our top tier uh, play. Both of them, again, didn't have great games, but it, it's a, it's 
very good points for a top-tier guy. 17.7 points for Julio, 19.9 for Ridley. Uh, we both love Terry McLaurin in our number two matchup, uh, and he rewarded us with 22 points. And then our low-tier picks. I mean, if you would have loaded up with our low-tier picks, I wasn't as bullish on Christian Kirk. I said I liked him, but he wasn't my favorite. He scored 20.7. I got to give you credit. You told everybody. You should have Deontay Johnson in your lineup at 4,200. He's the best Steelers receiver. They're playing a bad defense. He scored 29 points. Uh, I just kept thanking you on Sunday <laughs> as my lineup continued to cash because he was literally in every one of my lineups because you just convinced me that whether it be flex or receiver, if you can get a guy in at 4,200 is that good, you got to take them. Uh, the tight end position was a, a miss. I will say your middle tier, TJ Hawkinson, 16.9 points. I was a little disappointed only because I think this is the first week I can ever remember. Uh, I mean, Hawkinson was a top play, but where we just, I mean, I completely whiffed on my three. None of them scored more than five points. Kelsey only got six points. Hooper didn't play. Oh, no. Uh, and then at the flex, I'm actually okay with Travis Fulgham, who scored 12.3 points. That's my low tier. Again, he was like 4,700 to get 12.3. That's not a bust. But your uh, high tier and middle tier for the flex were really good. Kenny Galladay had 20.4 points. T. Higgins, 18.8. And then we both were really bullish on the Bills, who scored 14 points. Your middle tier uh, picked the Rams. I don't know what they ended up with, but I know they had to probably be a double digit uh, with the performance that they put up, uh, sacking Nick Foles a bunch and creating turnovers. So that was also a good play. But again, I actually added it up. We had 39 picks between the two of us. 21 of them uh, were, were hits. 20 of them had over 15 points. Uh, and another uh, 14 of them had 20 points or more. I mean, that is what you're looking for in Daily Fantasy. It was a very good week. It, it definitely was. <laughs> and like you said, I don't know how long we can keep this going, but the last three or four weeks have been pretty phenomenal. And it really shows, I think, when you get two people like me and you that are very data-driven. Uh, I know a lot of people make fun of us because we look at numbers <laughs> so much, but... I, yeah. I think this is – I'm starting to understand more how this is like poker or blackjack mm. because you have to know your percentages. And that's why I, I'm going to keep stressing. I think I say this on every podcast. Do single entry only. I had another uh, week last week where I only ended up winning 70 bucks, but I had $50 worth of lineups or 54 exactly. So that's the goal is each week to you know bring in more money than you spent. Uh, I had some fun, but the, the two weeks before, I'd won 240 and 128, and it's by just going with our picks. I'm, I'm Starting three weeks ago, I decided I'm going completely with our picks. I try to mix them up a little bit, but especially if one of us says we're really big on a guy like you were with Deontay Johnson, I did that. I said I was huge on Herbert last week. He was the guy I used in two of my sheets. They were the two that actually cashed, so... Uh, I'm glad I stuck with my guns, but I just wish I would have used Joe Burrow more because uh, that would have been a, a steal at those points. But let's get right into the quarterbacks this week and kind of going with the, the data stuff. I love Justin Herbert at 6,900. Um, he's averaging almost 28 points per game this season from fantasy. He's facing a Denver defense. that It's frisky, but he has 10 passing touchdowns in the last three games. They are middle of the tier kind of on everything. Denver is not mm. a, a great defense, but they're frisky. They're like what I said. 
The big thing for me, though, is until Eckler comes back and uh, Jackson gets completely a healthy tag, the Chargers' backfield is banged up, and that's going to lead to more opportunities for Herbert. We finally saw him run last week. He had 66 yards and a touchdown. That's something me and you have been waiting for, somebody who has had Herbert in our lineup a good bit in the last month. I'm happy to see that, and I just think he's – probably the best play because of the matchups, maybe with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, of those top-tier guys who are averaging like 24 to 30 points per game, but he's the cheapest of those plays too. And I just, you need to remember, he scored 24 and 26 points against a very good Bucks and a very good Chiefs defense. So if he can do that, I actually think, as long as he doesn't have any issues with the air, which that could be probably the one disclaimer. It's his first trip to Denver. Uh, I will talk about how Keenan Allen's one of my favorite plays, and he's had a lot of success in that thin air of mile high. But I just think Justin Herbert is kind of that hot gun right now that you keep using until, A, they get him up in the 7,000s, which I actually thought he was going to be this week, or, B, yeah. he slows down a little bit because he's had, again, at least – Three touchdowns in the last three games. He's had three, four, and three, and right around 300 yards, if not more. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been a great play. Like, every single week he's been out there. So, it's never a bad idea to ride the hot hand. And obviously, yeah, he was huge for us last week. Um, so, I, I believe this is like $100 more. I like... Our, our four, the guy we used to doubt, but now we're buying Josh Allen, 7,000. He has had no games under 16 points this year. So, you know, you're not going to get a dud. He's scored 25 or more four times. So there's always the chance. So, I mean, for, at 7,000, you're hoping for a guy who's scoring in the 20s at least. And he's been delivering that. Uh, last week, he had zero touchdowns. He had a lost fumble, and he still scored 20 points. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> I mean, he's the most I – th- I think Singletary has more yards, but when you account for touchdowns, I believe he is the most productive fantasy runner on the Bills. Um, and he, this week, he's facing the Patriots. They've had eight picks this year, but that's kind of – hiding how poor they've been otherwise they've given up 8.6 yards per attempt passing only the atlanta falcons have been giving up more not good so this when is when you're compared to the falcons yeah, exactly this is not the patriots defense of last year this is one you can take advantage of and again Al- allen's been foolproof this whole season so i i, I really like him at seven thousand. i think the uh, the next play is probably where i'm going to be going but if you're if you're looking for just sure points with a chance for a guy to give you 25-30, then Josh Allen's a good play. I do want to mention one guy real quick while we're talking about Allen because I don't know if you'll be able to discuss him again. But Moss, the rookie running back from Utah State, finally showed signs of life last week. He had seven carries for 50 yards. He also had, I think, four receptions for like another 35. He was originally going to be the goal line back. If he gets that position back, which I think he will, if you're in a yearly league and you're looking for somebody who's probably available who could still be an impact player down the stretch, he would be a guy that I'm I'm picking up very quickly if you don't have him because Singletary has proven in the time that Moss was out, he is not 
the featured back. He is a nice option at running back, but not the featured back. He's not been great in the red zone and has many touchdowns. Moss has an opportunity not only to take over that featured back role, but also to get the goal line work on an offense that, as we've discussed, they score a lot. So that is somebody I just would like to say for anybody out there looking for a season-long guy, he's probably one of my favorite guys on the waiver wire this week that you can get that should be available in most leagues. Yeah, I, I hope you're right because I own him in two different leagues. So. I've, I've, I've kept him stashed. I'm hoping it pays off. Exactly, my, exactly. Uh, my, my second guy in middle tier at quarterback, and I apologize that we're getting this out late, so I'm going to get this uploaded as quick as possible, but it's Teddy Bridgewater who plays tonight at 6,400. This is completely about the Falcons. In the first <laughs> matchup, he scored 23.8 points. I uh, threw for 300 yards and two TDs. This is a must-win for the Panthers. The Falcons are still bad against the bat, uh, pass. They're coming off an awful loss where I really think it's going to be what buries this team for the season, where you're going to start seeing them honestly play bad. Uh, because, you know, up until that loss last week, you could still argue they were with seven teams potentially in the playoff line. They had a pretty favorable schedule coming up. Uh, but, I mean, that was just such a back-breaking loss. Stafford threw for 340 and a touchdown last week. The week before that, Cousins threw for 343 and three touchdowns. And the great thing about having any receiver or quarterback or tight end against the Falcons is if they get up early, it's only going to lead to a better situation for all those players. The Vikings game was a prime example. Kirk Cousins had three picks and negative points at halftime. And he went on to almost score 30 points because when you get down against the Falcons, it's a dream situation where it is just throw, throw, throw. So uh, you will hear some more Panthers, I'm sure, on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but he is my uh, – and I think he's a very solid middle-tier play. For that 6,400, you're going to get at mm-hmm. least that 18 to 24-point range. And the Falcon secondary is so bad if, you know, one broken tackle, one, you know, corner falling down, it could end up being a 30, 35 point, especially if he runs or gets a rushing touchdown. Yeah, I I went with a different guy, but I almost went with Teddy Bridgewater because, like you said, it's the Falcons are just, it's easy money. <laughs> and yeah, I, I have a league where a uh, season long where I had Dak, so I had to, I'm just doing a weekly QB thing now. And I was thrilled to see Teddy Bridgewater was on the waivers. So I will say your middle tier pick was the guy that I was going to go with. Uh, I've used him a lot. And I, I'm interested to see why, though, you thought he would be a good play this week. All right. So, yeah, you had the genius pick of the week last week taking Joe Burrow at like, what was it, like 5,500 or something? He was 5,600, yeah. 5,600. And so now he's not surprisingly, he's gone up to 6,200. But I still think he's a great play. Again, I I think we talked about this last week, but outside of the Baltimore game where he he and that entire Bengals team looked atrocious, every uh, averaging every week outside of that one, he's averaging 20. Six points, so that's elite QB production, and he's only sixty-two hundred. That was also the only game he hasn't thrown thirty-six passes. Not surprising. The Bengals' defense is awful, so you can always count on him having to throw the ball. Mixon looks like he's going to be out, which I think they're in. You know, as you saw last week, they're just going to throw more with Gio Bernard as the you know featured back because he's more of a pass catching back anyway. Exactly. So really sticking to the pass more is even playing the Geo's strengths. 
Um, five out of seven games, he's thrown 300 yards. He's good. He's really good. Yes. There's some really good quarterbacks in this class. And one of the nice things about the Bengals, too, is they've shown a propensity to throwing near the end zone. He has 27 end zone throws. That's tied with Russell Wilson for the most in the league. And he's facing the Tennessee Titans, whose defense has not looked great this year. They're 27th in passing yards allowed. They're 30th in passing touchdowns allowed per game. So I believe they've had a bye. But if you go per game, they are 30th in passing touchdowns. They're dead last in football outsiders adjusted sack rate. That's been the big problem for the Bengals offense is Burrow's been getting hit behind that awful line. So this week he might be able to stand upright a little bit more. And again, Tennessee's going to put up a lot of points on this Bengals defense. So he's going to be flinging it. And as, as we'll get to later, every receiver on that team is looking pretty good right now. It's, you know, it's not just Boyd Higgins. Like I said last week, I think Higgins, Higgins might be Higgins the number one. Last week, yep. And then A.J. Green's been productive the last couple weeks. So they the really got, <laughs> right, found the fountain of youth after week five. So that whole offense, at least in the passing game, is looking pretty good, and he's definitely going to be throwing this week. So I, he's probably my favorite play of the week at QB at 6,200. So my low-tier pick is very risky. I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, it's amazing, and it shows, again, sort of this rookie quarterback class that there mm. was three top picks in the top six. We're going to have all three of them for fantasy purposes and daily fantasy because I'm going, give me two of them. 56 all right, yes. It's a, it's a huge risk, but he is so talented. The Rams are a very good defense, particularly up front, but they don't have any game tape on Tua. And if they get pressure on Tua, you got to remember, he also has the ability to scramble. I, I actually think Tua is going to run for at least 50 yards in this game. I really do, because I think that, you know, he's not dumb when he sees Aaron Donald uh, you know, flying through that front uh, line, he's going to take off. And Tua has the speed to do that. Uh, and that you need to remember that without the game tape, Herbert had a fantastic performance against the Chiefs. Uh, and I, I think you could see something similar here where, yes, they have tape from college, but we have no idea how the Dolphins plan on using Tua. And if you ask me, the Dolphins have a very good core for Tua. It's why I actually understand this move. You have Gaskins, who is a great receiving running back. So you have a running back coming out of the backfield Tua can hit. Galeski is one of the more underrated tight ends in the league that when he gets the targets, he puts up great numbers and is very productive. And then their best two receivers are really more possession-type receivers than they are break down the field. Which, again, Tua is a very accurate thrower who can get rid of the ball very quickly. I expect them to do a lot of dink and dunking uh, early in this to try to open up. Then you might see Tua take some shots downfield. But I just I have a lot of confidence in this Dolphins team. And they would have not made this decision with the way Fitzpatrick is playing and the fact that they're in the playoff hunt if they didn't believe that Tua could handle this. And I don't know why anybody should be questioning if he can. Not to, you know, woe is me, but I witnessed firsthand as a true freshman, this son of a bitch, <laughs> come in in the second half when we were up a double-digit lead on the Alabama Crimson Tide of the National Championship. Not only did he lead them back to tie the game going into overtime, he made one of the best throws you'll ever oh, see yeah. in overtime on second and 26. 
Uh, I believe in Tua a lot. You will not get him at 5,600 for the rest of the year. I can promise you that. So I'm going to take a chance uh, and take Tua uh, in this because I think that they've had a buy. They're going to have a really good game plan for him. And, again, his talent is through the roof. I expect him to run a little bit. I like Tua to get at least 20 points. And, again, at 5,600, why not? Yeah, I like that pick. To your point about not just that they don't have, you know, NFL game tape, but I believe he's now the only left-handed quarterback in the NFL. So, wow. you know, that, that doesn't make a huge difference, but I can see that at the margins, you know, if you're rushing the passer and stuff, you're just trained now to only, you know, obviously QBs can roll to the right if they're right-handed and they can make throws easy. Can't it's going to be weird to see a guy. Now reverses, uh, yeah. So I, I can see that being an advantage, especially in these early games for him. And also, to your point, I – I was a little skeptical of the move when it was first announced. But when you think about it, if, if you were if we were dealing with a fully healthy Tua, like he never got hurt last year and played that season out, I don't think anyone would be wondering about this. He would have been, been like, this guy, yeah, he, he might have been. It would have been I mean, really close, I think, I think. I think if he would have been healthy, I still think he would have been the slam dunk number one pick, even with the yep. season Burrow had, just because – I mean, he had that three year. He basically had three Burrow seasons. I, I think it probably would have come down to kind of playoff. That's my guess. Is that could have been the decider? That's fair. But yeah, if you if you saw him throughout all that college time and he'd never been hurt, you'd probably be like, yeah, that guy's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So yeah. I, I I love that pick. I feel like I'm going even riskier, <laughs> which is saying something. But I'm going with Jimmy G at 5,400. He's had a really weird season. So he's played in five games. Real quickly, in- not interrupt you, but yeah, how yeah. good is Kyle Shanahan? And again, uh, as a Falcons fan, it makes me he's sick. Because <laughs> that should have been the move. When we blew the Super Bowl, we should have fired Dan Quinn as the head coach and been like, we're getting rid of the defensive coach when our defense wasn't that good, and we're keeping the guy that made the offense one of the greatest offenses of all time. It doesn't get talked about. That offense was unstoppable, and that was before Calvin Ridley. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked the Niners are this good. Uh, they've had more injuries than considering, yeah, by far. And I just, I, I'm, I'm amazed at what Shanahan does. And I keep telling people, God forbid, look what he did with Matt Ryan. If he could ever get a good quarterback in San Francisco, a young one, and this is no offense to Jimmy G, I'm talking about like a real difference-making quarterback. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna see the Niners be like, basically, oh a, you know, a dynasty because uh, they're gonna be so good. He's, he's so impressive. But I, I that's why I like Jimmy G in any Niner. Uh, when healthy, because he just nobody schemes it up better than Shanahan. I, absolutely, I mean he's he can he can do anything. With, I mean, like we said, we've seen that offense function with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard before. So exactly. But so yeah, Jimmy G. Three of his five games, he's thrown at least two touchdowns, and he's had zero turnovers in those three games. In the other two games, he's had no touchdowns and two picks. So he's really been. A roller coaster this season, but facing the Seattle defense, I mean that—that's the defense you want to play. The guys who are risky, because again, 369 yards allowed per game. Not surprisingly, dead last. I believe they have—they've given up the most total yards of any defense through six games in history. 
So this team is giving you all the points you want passing-wise. They're dead last in fantasy against QBs, not surprisingly. So I think, and again, I think that's, yeah, San Francisco, even with the injuries, has been okay on defense this year. They've been pretty good, but I don't think they're going to have a lot of success slowing down Seattle. So I think that means Jimmy G is going to have to pass. They're not going to be able to just lean on the run game here. So and I they got a lot of injuries guys. at running back. Even if they wanted to, yeah. they don't really have a lot of options at running back right now. And, uh, you know, even with Debo Samuel out, Ayuk's looked good. Obviously, Kittle's as good as it gets at tight end. So I expect a good game from Jimmy G. Obviously, if you have the money, I would say, you know, get Burrow, get Bridgewater. But if you if you want to roll the dice, I, I think I think our two picks are the way to go. If you want to save a lot of money and just hope a guy gives you 20-plus. Seattle is in that class with some of the yeah. other defense we've talked about that it's almost stupid oh, not man. to take yeah. a receiver or a quarterback against them because it's just the chances are one of them's good. Ayuk is somebody I did not pick, but I think has a chance to have a huge game uh, with Debo yeah. Samuel being out, or it looks like he's going to be out, and same thing for Kittles, even though they've been pretty good against the tight ends. Moving on to running back, I went back and forth on this as much as I have uh, any play in a long time. I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't like any of the top guys. Like uh, well, Kareem Hunt. I didn't like it this week. They're, they're, all the, the most expensive guys have bad matchups. The one exception is Kareem Hunt. Uh, now, you do need to check to make sure that he is going to be available. Everything looks like he's going to play. He's going to be full ready to go, but he does have a questionable tag, but Hunt has quietly scored 18 or more points in four out of his last uh, six starts. The Raiders give up rushing touchdowns and receptions to running backs each week. And, I mean, I, I cannot, like, express this enough. No matter who the matchup is, some of the guys that have had success are similar type uh, running backs. Burkett, who is both a guy that is shifty, catch passes. He had three touchdowns, almost 100 yards, with seven receptions. Devin Singletary, who is basically a poor man's. Uh, you know, Hunt had uh, 85-yard total yards, a touchdown, and five receptions. And then Kamara, who is obviously, uh, you know, way more talented than Hunt, but also a similar skill set. He had 170 total yards, three touchdowns, and nine receptions. These are all backs with similar type skill sets to Hunt. Obviously, again, Kamara's more talented. The other two aren't quite as talented, but they have similar games where they both can beat you at coming out of the backfield. They're shifty, uh, and they, they find the end zone. Hunt typically does. Uh, Hunt should score, I think, at least a touchdown and have at least five receptions in this game. He's my favorite play of any running back under, or excuse me, under $6,000 because the Raiders are bad. I think you're going to see the Browns shift again to more of a run-first offense, which they were trying to do last week, but the Bengals just kept scoring on them. It didn't allow them to. Uh, and the other good thing for uh, this uh, Browns team is Baker Mayfield's numbers are so much better when OBJ is not oh, yeah. on the field. It, it's just it's proven. Bizarre. It's bizarre. That, well, I think what it is is he, he tries to keep OBJ happy. Like, I think Baker's a locker room leader. I think that's something he is. And he understands, I've got to keep OBJ happy or we're going to have issues. And last week was a prime example. He was 0 of 5 for a pick before the OBJ injury. Once OBJ went out, he, <laughs> I didn't realize his only incomplete was a kneel down. It was a to stop the clock 
not spike, an incomplete. So, yes, a spike, excuse me. So he was 23 of 23 for almost 300 yards and five touchdowns. And, again, his numbers have shown that out throughout the season. The better they are throwing the ball, the more lanes it's going to open up for Kareem Hunt. And then, again, the Raiders are so bad. I couldn't believe it going through their previous matchups and seeing how every week a running back either has a touchdown or five receptions and usually around 100 total yards or both. And I just can see Hunt. Uh, I mean, he is so explosive and they're so bad. He could have a Kamara-type game where he could have several touchdowns, 150-plus total yards, and he could have nine, ten receptions, especially if they do a decent job on the Browns receivers. Yeah, I, I think, if yeah, of the higher-end guys, because I, I even went a little bit lower for my high-end guy, but I think that's that's the play if he's if he's good to go, Kareem Hunt, which this, this came up in my research for two of the guys I picked because the only team – the worst team in giving up rushing touchdowns this year has been the Las Vegas Raiders. They've given up 12 rushing touchdowns in six games, which is And that doesn't include ridiculous. all the receptions, like I said, because I know Burkhead had, I believe, two receiving touchdowns. I know Kamara had at least one receiving touchdown. Uh, Singletary's touchdown was a receiving touchdown. These guys give up touchdowns, period, to running backs. And Hunt, yeah. again, right now he's pretty much the featured back uh, with Chubb still on the mend, I I just think that he's a slam dunk this week. All right, so yeah, my tier one guy went a few hundred dollars cheaper. Uh, Jonathan Taylor at sixty six hundred. I've picked him before. I just keep waiting for him to like have that bust out. He's, gonna, he's a Derrick Henry type guy. Wouldn't you compare him to that? That and I've been a little surprised the Colts have not fed him a lot because I noticed in college games too. He's a guy that, yeah, he's going to get like four and a half yards per carry, but I think as the game goes on and yeah, more carries you get him. Yes, and they have not done that. They continue to give him like these 12, 15 carries, and if there was ever a matchup to give him 25 carries and see what yes. he does, it would be this week. Right, exactly. He keeps, he keeps turning out like 15-point games, so he's never really been a guy who's like, oh, you're screwed because he gave you like four. But – like you said, this week he's playing our old friends, the Detroit Lions. 30th in fantasy points against running backs, 4.8 yards per carry against running backs, 132 rushing yards a game. The nine rushing touchdowns they've allowed of teams that have had a bye, only the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders have been worse at giving up rushing touchdowns. So I think this is the week that you really want to pound the Rock with Taylor. And yet, Philip Rivers has looked sketchy. So to me, if I'm in any game against a competitive team, and I think the, the Lions have been like the base average team in the NFL this year, I feel like. What's the opposite? What would you call the opposite of the good-bad team? Because, I mean, are they the bad-good team? Is that the way you'd say it? Because that's what I feel like it is. They might it's be. Like, they might be. <laughs> they're very talented. Like, they're good. I mean, they, they, they should have won the game. Because they, they should have beaten the Bears. They had that lead. They blew the lead and then Swift dropped the touchdown. Like they should have won that game. So, but so I think they had a 14 point lead on the Saints early. Like they're a good football team. I, I think the, the one issue for them is I think their coaching is just not very good. But to me, if, if I'm Frank Reich this week, 
I don't want Philip Rivers to be flinging the ball around and to blow a winnable game. I want to feed the rock to Taylor against a bad run defense. That should be their so, game plan every absolutely. week with a very it good. <laughs> yeah, like just run it and then let Rivers play action pass, which he's still pretty good at. And it's not like T.Y. Hilton looks kind of he looks kind of done. Like that pass, there's not a lot of weapons in the passing game either. So to me. Yeah, every week I'm with you. That should be the game plan, but especially this week against the Lions team that has not shown an ability to stop the run. And Trey Burton's another guy that I did not list this week, but watch out for him. Remember the last time he played before the bye, he had two touchdowns. Uh, Rivers loves to go to tight ends, and it looks like Burton has slowly been trending towards their top tight end. So that's another guy to watch out for. Or if you got a bye this week in your yearly fantasy and you're looking for a guy – uh, my middle tier option, obviously, it depends on Mixon. They're saying they won't rule him out yet, but everything I've read is Mixon is probably going to miss a couple of games. If that's the case, you get Gio Bernard at 5,800. Last week, he was the number one back. He turned into just under 100 yards and a touchdown. The bigger thing was he had those seven catches. When I mean, if I can get a back to get five to ten catches – I will take him oh. over any back because it's a guarantee that you're going to probably get at least 10 points because, to me, the backs end up being the duds more than any other position. Like, it just seems like if you're ever going to have that three-, four-point guy, if you're if you're actually good at filling out a lineup, it's almost always at running back. And it can sometimes be a guy that you thought was going to have a good game. But because of that and the fact that Titans are not good on defense, particularly against the pass, and they've given up a lot of receptions to get running backs out of the backfield. I like Geo to have a very similar line if he gets the start to where he's going to have probably 80 to 100 yards. He's probably going to get five to 10 catches. And if he gets a touchdown, again, you're going to get in that, you know, what do you have last week? 20.6 points. If I'm getting that for 5,800, I love it. And again, he's just, he's going to get. A, like a ceiling of five receptions in that offense right. if he's the feature back. Like I can guarantee you that that'll mean at least 10 points. I like Gio as my middle tier guy. Yeah, I like that pick. And I, my, my thinking for my mid tier guy is very similar. So I'm taking Boston Scott at 6,000. So again, it's, an, it's another receiving back, backup who's now in the featured role. So last week he had the <laughs> winning touchdown that crushed my soul. Save me, though. <laughs> in DraftKings and in a couple of fantasy matchups. So he scored 18.2 points last week in the featured role. And what I really like about this play, because I think you can make a good argument for a lot of Eagles against the Cowboys, but I think the worry I'd have for anyone, for any of the receivers, tight ends, or Wentz, is the Cowboys just looked freaking awful last week. And well, I believe Dalton's out now too, right? So they're on the third string QB. I, if I Googled on Facebook because they had an article with the two names. You know how everybody has a page? That quarterback is so unknown that when you go to it, it has no photos for him. It has him listed as an athlete, and three people like that page. So <laughs> that is how unknown the Cowboys' potential starting quarterback for Sunday is. That's a good thing. And uh, I actually I read that on his Wikipedia that as a redshirt freshman he backed up Nathan Peterman in college. So that's Ooh, just, wow, that's just some snake uh, you don't want on. So what I would worry about for most of the potential Eagles plays is this game could get out of hand pretty quick. Oh, yeah. 
And so that could really hurt in the passing game. But Boston Scott's good no matter what. If they're running the ball, he's the starting running back. If they're passing the ball, he's the guy who always gets receptions. So I think he's really whatever however that game plays out, I think he's he's a solid pick no matter what. Where other guys it could depend. And Dallas is just a great play for running backs in general. They're dead last, giving up 178 rushing yards a game. Woo. Five yards per carry for running backs. And the 11 rushing touchdowns they've given up is, again, only better than the Las Vegas Raiders. So Dallas has been easy money for running backs this year. I mean, I remember Delonso Freeman looked pretty good against them. And Giants running game has not looked good against very many teams this year. So I think Boston Scott at 6,000, like I said, I think he's an automatic like 15, and there's the potential for a lot more. I love that. Uh, before I get to my bottom tier guy, one other guy I want to mention real quick because I almost list him as Le'Veon Bell. He's at 4,700 this week. I think obviously the Chiefs Jets game is going to get out of hand. <laughs> Andy Reid is a, a player, is a player's coach. And I could totally see him giving Le'Veon the opportunity to stick it to his former team. I'm telling you, I have him in a couple of my daily lineups this week. At 4,700, you can you know load up at other positions. You can get a Devontae Adams, who I have listed in my flex. It's really expensive, but I think it's worth, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I just do not be surprised if Le'Veon Bell has a good game. I actually really like Edwards Hilaire this week, but that was why I did not include him in any of my picks was because I'm worried that this matchup against the Jets, you could see Bell getting more work than in any other matchup this season just as a revenge thing where Andy's trying to get Bell invested, give him a, you know, I've got your back type deal. And we know how talented Bell is in that offense. He could easily have 15 touches for two touchdowns and 100 yards, and he's 4,700 bucks. Uh, the guy that I'm taking, though, for my low-end play is not much more extensive. It's 4,900. I can't believe I'm doing this, but it's Fournette. Uh, he killed me last week. Fournette killed me. I had Ronald Jones uh, in two lineups that uh, one placed and actually did really well, despite only getting like 10 points with that garbage touchdown Then he got. The other one missed scoring by four points. With the list of guys we had at running back, I had a ton of options, guys like Jamal Williams. There were just so many plays. Uh, But Fournette has became the feature back out of nowhere last week. If you watch that game, and I did because it was one of the only two games on, (laughs) Fournette was the featured back. He had 11 carries for 50 yards, six catches for 47. He was the better looking of the two backs. I feel kind of bad for Ronald Jones, but... I mean, Fournette reminds me a lot of Corey Dillon of the Patriots team that won the Super Bowl for, I believe it was their second and third teams where he's just this, you know, not necessarily going to average five yards for carry, but he's a bulldozer. Somebody that breaks off to a lot. It's going to open up the play action pass. And then he's facing a Giants team that has given up a rushing or receiving score to opposing backs in three of the last four games. I expect Fournette to score if he gets another 17 touches this week, which I think he will get around that range, if not more, uh, if the, you know he continues to have the success. Because Jones did not have a good game last week. Fournette did, and they had already made up their mind that Fournette was the feature back early in that. Jones was involved on the first drive, and then if you look at it, after he had the six carries on the first drive, after that, Jones only got a combined eight carries the rest of the game. Obviously, Fournette got 11, and I was really surprised how much he was used out of the backfield. I did not expect Fournette to 
to get six receptions on seven targets. It looks like he is their featured back moving forward. So at 4,900 and a really good offense and against a bad team, uh, I could see Fournette having a big week. Yeah, uh, he was he's my low-tier flex guy, so I'll just add a little bit to yeah, this. Sorry, I didn't even notice yeah, that. So, so uh, in the three game, ignoring week one, because I think Fournette had been on the team for like three days. So in the three games that Fournette and Jones have both suited up for, Jones has three more carries and Fournette has seven more receptions. So again, this is DraftKings' PPR. So Fournette has been the more valuable back when they've both been out there. And I, I mean, I to me, Ronald Jones seems like the guy I'd be going with. I've never been a huge Fournette guy, and Jones looked great for three weeks. But it's clear Bruce Arians feels differently. So to me, I mean, you've got Ronald Jones is eight hundred more. So I don't know why, given the choice, because I do, I agree with you. This is a good matchup because I don't think the Giants are going to put up like any points on this. And they're pretty good at defense. The Right, like they've proven that they're okay. Well, Bradbury, Bradbury's been good. The rest of the defense is a little scary. Okay, but but I, again, I don't think this game's gonna be close. I expect them to see a lot of carries, and Fournette's the guy getting the receiving value. So at eight hundred cheaper, I think if you're picking a Tampa Bay back, it should be Leonard Fournette. Uh, for my actual, for my own tier three running back. I might be my favorite play at running back this week. I, I was just going to say I second that. He was going to be on mine. I changed him because I wanted to, you know, make different picks. Of course, I picked somebody you had at flex because I didn't go <laughs> down there. But I love Miles Gaskins. I, yeah, my, we've talked about this before with Gaskins where, I mean, $5,200, you are not paying a lot. And he scored in double digits in all but one game. And the game he didn't score 10 points, he got 9.2. And he's so going to receive a lot of passes, too. Like, he's going to catch so yeah, the ball. Exactly. So, when you're looking at guys in the 5,200 range, most of the time you're kind of like, I, you know, I hope this guy goes off, but he might give me nothing. Gaskin's not going to give you nothing. He's going to give you some points. He's average, Over the last four games, he's averaged 21 touches a game. He's averaged over four receptions a game. I believe, I believe he's had at least – Four receptions in all but one game, and the other game was three. So again, he's giving you automatic points with the receptions. I think this is the. I think the Tua move probably even boosts that. I was going to say. Think, I think he probably is going to get the biggest uh, like boom to Tua yeah. being the quarterback, don't you? Because I just think they're going to throw a little bit more, which is going to give him more opportunities, and they might even do some run option stuff with Tua and him. Uh, which again would obviously be because two is going to take up a lot of attention. Right. And I, th- I also think you know whenever you're talking about a rookie QB, you like having the safety valve guys. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Fitzpatrick's never been the guy to play it safe, mm-hmm. and two has been a guy who's always been a fantastic at avoiding turnovers. So I, I think, think he's the left-handed Drew Brees. Like I really, that's who to me. He that's that's the hope for Dolphins fans. Oh yeah, you finally get Drew Brees, huh? That's right. They passed on him back when Nick Saban was around. So there you go. So yeah, I think Gaskin is automatic double digit points this week. And I mean, if if that offense is able to move the ball against the Rams defense, and like you said, I think you know we have a decent amount of optimism. The offense looked pretty good with Fitzpatrick, and the ceiling is definitely higher now. So I think if that offense is better, then that just means Gaskins. 
is worth that much more this week and going forward. If you're in season long, you might want to be making a move for Miles Gaskin. I, I love that uh, for season long for sure. I apologize. You hear my Yorkie Nico just uh, <laughs> And he is not happy. So uh, let's move on to the wide receivers. I think, again, uh, there is one guy, I think, in the very expensive tier that is worth a look. But outside of that, there are so many guys under $7,000 that you can get this year or this week that I think are are great picks. I'm going to start with Robbie Anderson. Again, this is mostly about the Falcons. He's 6,600. He scored 22.5 points last matchup versus the Falcons on eight catches. He had 112 yards. He's a guy averaging six catches, 91 yards, and just over eight targets a game for the season. I think he should have more than one touchdown. That's actually more of just kind of one of those bad luck deals I was talking about last week where there's guys that if you see – their target share, and with their past histories, with a better quarterback than what he's had. When he was with the Jets, it was actually the opposite, where he used to score a lot of touchdowns but not catch a lot of passes and get a ton of targets. So I think it's only a matter of time before you see Robbie Anderson really start scoring some touchdowns. I think he'll end up just south of 10 touchdowns for the season. Uh, And as a Falcons fan who has unfortunately had to watch every single game this year, Anderson is the exact type of receiver that hurts us the most i mean if you look at it cd lamb very similar to him he had a huge game against us justin jefferson another guy very tall athletic receiver he had a huge game against us obviously robbie anderson had a huge game against us the (laughs) first time Uh, i don't dislike more don't get me wrong if that's your play this week i think you can't Mm -hmm. go wrong he is cheaper but i just typically it's these fast, tall, shifty receivers like Robbie Anderson that can really burn my Falcons secondary. I love him at 6,600. I think his uh, his floor is so low this week. Yeah, I didn't take either Panthers receiver, but I, I'm with you. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. And I know that more has outproduced Anderson in fantasy, but that's mostly been touchdown luck. Right. You know, if you, if you look at the targets, you look at the receptions. So Anderson's think, the number one guy. Yeah, he. You know, I I think you know for a one two they're pretty even, but I think Anderson's definitely if there's a one, it's him. So I think that's a great play. Um, I went just a little bit higher with uh, AJ Brown at sixty nine hundred. This guy hot. Holy cow. Yeah, I, he was my favorite receiver coming out of that draft, and everything he's done since then has only made me love him more. Um, in the three weeks since he's come back from injury, he's averaged 24.8 points. And gotten better each week. Yeah, that's <laughs> very impressive. He had like 22, impressively. I think 25, and then 30, which is just getting it done. Yeah, and so his average game over the last three weeks is six catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. He scored a touchdown in every single game, and he scored two in one of them. So, you know, it, and Ryan Tannehill, again, he – he looks like this is who he is now in this offense. As long as Arthur Smith is calling the plays and he's got these guys around him. Well, I think Derrick we can... Henry deserves a lot of credit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I th- again, yeah, the, it's the whole thing. You've got Brown. Corey Davis has looked better than he's ever looked. Janice Smith uh, is obviously Janice one of my Smith. favorite guys. 
Adam Adam Humphreys is a solid slot guy. Kinkler, I mean, the other Titans tight end, I think, scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. I mean, they're just they're a good team, really well coached. And you know, I I think when when those other guys were emerging while Brown was out, the worry if, if you were an agent owner in season long was that you know it was going to be really spread out. But for three weeks, it looks like. Everyone else's production will vary week to week, and A.J. Brown looks like he's just a good play every week. And that's following up last season where it was the same Yeah, A.J. Brown had the touchdowns. He was their big play guy. He was their difference maker. I mean, he's as dangerous as it gets after the catch, and with Tannehill, obviously, he doesn't have to purely rely on that. And he's playing the Bengals this week. The bottom 10 in passing yards allowed and passing touchdowns. So this is a matchup he can take advantage. Again, Last week, he put up 6-150 and against Pittsburgh, who's one of the better defenses in the league. And has this a week. shutdown corner. And this week, he's playing the Bengals. So, I, I, like, I like him more than most of the guys above him. Like, Devontae Adams is the number one, but he's Should we have Tannehill now the more I think about it at quarterback? Because he was not that expensive. I thought about it. He was, I think it was Tannehill, Bridgewater, and Burrow. They're, like, they're pretty good the against the run, the Bengals are. Like, they're actually a top, I think, like, fantasy purposes, top 10 team against the run. Uh, and the more I think about it, I mean, you, you look at what they've done the last couple of weeks against not great quarterbacks. I mean, Baker Mayfield, no offense. Maybe Tannehill is somebody you should look at. Maybe be a bonus play at quarterback. Oh, yeah, he is just beneath uh, Alan Herbert at 6,800. So I think, uh, again, we picked the other two guys, but if you go Tannehill instead, I wouldn't argue with you. So So I I love A.J. Brown this week, though. Our middle-tier guy, I think he should be on everybody's lineup this week at (laughs) 6,200. Keenan Allen, most targeted wide receiver in football with Herbert at quarterback. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable the shares of targets he's getting. He's coming off a 10 catch, another, I think, 14 targets last week, had over 100 yards. Allen is also sort of in that bad luck because Allen's been a guy that has scored touchdowns for his career at a pretty high rate. He has one, I think, two touchdowns this year. I think he had one in the first game. And then ironically, one in the New Orleans game where he got hurt uh immediately i mean on the first drive he was injured but he still had two catches for 36 yards and a touchdown um with herbert at quarterback allen should be started every every week i told you my one concern yeah. about herbert is the mile air you know the, the the basically the elevation well it should make you feel a little better that keenan allen has scored a touchdown in four of his five career starts in oh, wow. denver and has five touchdowns in five games so Keenan does not matter, uh, does not uh, bothered by the Denver air, and that makes me feel better about Herbert and him. But again, it's 6,200. It's outrageous with what this guy's done. I mean, again, he scored over 10 points in a game that he played this year that he played one drive. Uh, and outside of that, he's had at least 15 points in every other game. Keenan Allen is a must start right now. You got anything else you want to add? Um, you covered most of it. You know, obviously he's he gets a ton of targets. The one, one thing I want to add is that to that fantastic stat about how productive he's been in Denver. All those previous matchups, I mean, I assume mo- most, if not all of them, Chris Harris was in Denver, mm-hmm. and also Cube Talib would have been on the outside. So 
The Coyotes are awful in Denver now, but they're not what they were. Like, that was an elite secondary for a lot of those years. So he's in a much better situation to take advantage of them than he was when he was scoring, what did you say, four touchdowns in five games or whatever? He's got five touchdowns in five Five games. Now he had only he, it's yeah. spread out because he actually has been playing since 2013. There were right. three seasons that he did not play in the game at Denver because we know Allen's had some injuries. But I just want to check because there is guys that sometimes struggle with that. And boy, it it did you know make me kind of start licking my chops. And I'm looking like even in the games <laughs> that he only had like three four receptions, he had a touchdown. In fact, the least receptions he had was four receptions for 42 yards. He had two touchdowns in that game. Uh, I love Keenan Allen this week. Absolutely. He, my bargain guy is Nelson Aguilar at 4,700. Mm. He's a guy that scored a touchdown in his last three starts. He scored at least 14 points in his last three starts. Last week, the Bengals trio against the Browns had 23 catches for 260 yards and two touchdowns. The week before that, the banged-up Steelers uh, wide receiver duo, which, as you remember, was actually just Claypool and Washington. Both Johnson and Schuster missed that game. They had eight catches for 142 yards and a touchdown. And then, obviously, the Cowboys' talented receivers hauled in 19 catches for 232 yards and three touchdowns. The Browns' defense is great at getting pressure on the quarterback. They're not a bad overall defense, but they are very susceptible to the pass. I think it's a safe bet that Aguilar makes a big play and continues his touchdown streak. And again, at 4,700. And if you like Waller, if you like uh, what's the uh, rookie rugs, the the Raiders are going to score in this game. And I, like I said, I think that the Browns are going to actually score a good bit of points. I think Hunt's going to have a good game. Again, that's only going to help these guys if they get down early and they're forced to throw a lot. Uh, I like Aguilar, and actually like this to be one of those games that if you want to load up on players from both sides, I'm not against it uh, at all. <laughs> no, definitely not. I, I think that's just a general rule for Raiders games this year. Yep. I like and, <laughs> Exactly. And like, you know, I'm a little rave non-Waller-Jacobs guys on the Raiders, but again, 4,700, and Aguilar looks like he might be the number one receiver in that offense, so... I like that pick. Um, I'm going. I'm going even a little cheaper to a guy I mentioned er- earlier, which is AJ Green. Love this. Point. I think we were all leaving him for dead through five weeks. I was. But, I mean, because he was. I, I think early on, I even mentioned in one of our like first pods, I was like, he's getting the target. So eventually, and then it just didn't happen for another month. And T. Higgins looked good. He looked like the third best. You know, what I'm saying like there was two like much yeah. better receivers. And now, boy, he should be able to get wide open targets with the other two guys established. Yeah, he scored more points over the last two weeks than he did during the first five games combined. So, yeah, he scored like 25, I think, the first five weeks. And he scored 33 combined the last two. He's, he's had still at getting least, a bunch of targets, right? Yeah, he's had the last two weeks, he's had 11 and 13 targets. That's resulted in 15 receptions for 178 yards. And really, the only thing that's kept him from a really big game is he hasn't had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're looking at any Bengals receiver, like I said earlier, Burrow's thrown tied for the most passes to the end zone. 
So, like, he's throwing it to the end zone, and they just kind of had bad luck on connecting on some of these. Really on all of them but Higgins, because uh, Boyd is in yeah. the same boat. That, like, he has so many catches yards mm-hmm. this year, and not really any touchdowns. I think it says more than anything about Higgins' explosiveness that he seems to be the one guy that seems to be finding the end zone on a decent amount of receptions. But I'm with you that, like, because I think the most expensive guy there is under six grand. Any of those three guys is not a bad play. And then especially this week, because the Titans are tw- they're 28th against wide receivers, and they've given up the third most end zone targets to specifically wide receivers. Ooh. So that means so all, all these Bengals like guys the are going to have opportunity. Yep. I like that. So they, you got a quarterback that loves to throw to the end zone that's playing very well, a talented wide receiver crew against a bad secondary that also is bad against passes into the end zone. I may be making some adjustments uh, to my lineup, and it, again, just makes me feel even more confident about Joe Burrow at, again, yeah. you got to think, what was he, 6,200? Uh, yeah, 6,200. Yeah, 6, I mean, you can't. That that sounds like almost a slam dunk. Um, the tight ends this week, uh, I'm going to let you go first because I actually went lower. Uh, I did not really go an expensive tier option. I mean, I have three guys in three different tiers, but I don't really have that top-notch guy. So who's yours? So uh, my, I, I went below the most expensive guys, although I, I think Kittle against Seattle is a good play just because, again, they've been much better against tight ends than wide receivers, but San Francisco is kind of a different monster there. But he's 7,000, so you're talking about a lot. So I went lower. I went with Darren Waller at 5,600. He's tied with Kelsey for the fir- for first among tight ends in receptions and targets. He's third in points and yards among tight ends. And he's $1,000 cheaper than Kelsey, 1400 tr- cheaper than Kittle. He's cheaper than Mark Andrews, and I think he's, he's just got He's better- more of a focal point, too, of yeah. the offense than any of those guys, including Kelsey. I mean, Waller is their number one receiver, like, by far, yeah. to where you can say at least Tyreek Hill is a comparable, you know, target share to Kelsey. There's no doubt about Darren Waller. And I don't even, I'm not even sure why Mark Andrews costs more this week. Andrews is against Pittsburgh, who's third against tight ends. Waller's against the Browns, who are 28th against they're, tight ends. And they're bad. I was going to say, they've given up touchdowns to some really bad tight ends. Like, it, it's not been a murderer's row of tight ends scoring uh, on them. So I, I love Waller uh, this week. So, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you where I kind of like some lower plays a little bit more. But if, again, the only time he hasn't scored double digits was against the Patriots, who that's been the one thing they have been consistently good at still on defense is stopping tight ends. Unless you're George Kittles. Yeah, unless you're the best tight end in the NFL. Yeah, and if you listen to Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest ever, which was kind of shocking to hear from him. Wow, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, he said that... He can't. He doesn't know of a tight end in the history of the game that is a better all-around player than Kittles. That can do wow. everything: block, run, catch. Which I also felt like was kind of a cheap shot at his man Gronk, who was that, pretty damn good in his day. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Gillespie at 4,900 as mm. my most expensive play. Uh, this is really all about something you mentioned. Young quarterbacks typically yeah. like to go to running backs and tight ends because they're their security blanket. Uh, and he's facing a team that last week Jimmy Graham had five receptions against. Kittles the week before that had seven. And the Rams four games ago scored three touchdowns. Their tight ends did. So 
This is a potentially juicy matchup for Goleski. I really do expect Tua, who his strength is getting rid of the football quickly and being accurate. I think they're going to have a plan where you're going to see Parker, Williams, Goleski, uh, uh, Gaskins, all those guys be getting a lot of short uh, you know, routes where basically they're going to get the ball out of Tua's hands quickly, try to make it where uh, you don't see uh, you know, basically him getting murdered by uh, Aaron Donald. And I, again, I'm not crazy about any of the top tier play because their matchups are so bad. So he's my most expensive one. The second uh, guy we both have, and he has been my favorite play. I own him in every one of my fantasy <laughs> football leagues. It's Janu Smith at 4,100. Now I know you're probably concerned because he is coming off two straight up duds. I mean, yeah. like scary does. But before that, and his four previous starts, he had 18 receptions for 231 yards and five touchdowns. And he's facing a Bengals defense that has surrendered a touchdown reception to the opposing tight end in four straight games. They are one of the worst tight end covering, at least for fantasy purpose, 31st in the league uh, against tight ends. Janu Smith, I think, was banged up. If you look at it, he didn't play a lot of snaps. Uh, in the second half of last week's game, I actually think that he is, they say, trending towards being healthy. If you look at it, the two duds came as he hurt his ankle early in the matchup two weeks ago against the Texans. If he's back to full strength, we, we talked about how we might need to consider Tannehill. Uh, Janu Smith is a guy that we know could have two, three touchdowns in a game. I think that's why we both have him at 4,100 as our mid-tier guy. Yeah, I think of, of, he's probably going to be the tight end that's in most of my plays. I, I like to differentiate with tight end sometimes just because there's it really feels like the one where there's the most variance. So I don't like to always tie myself into one guy in every single one I play, but he's going to be the majority play for me this week for sure. So my low-tier guy, though, actually – I don't want to jinx myself, but he is kind of <laughs> in that Trey Burton territory where I was shocked when I read that he's the starter. Uh, now, you need to make sure Dallas Goddard is not going to play. Mm-hmm. He's been taken off the IR for the Eagles, but everything looks like he's still a week away. If that's the case, Richard Rodgers at 3,900, he's coming off a game where he had six catches for 85 yards. And with the exception of one game, Eagles tight ends have had at least five receptions and eight targets in each game this season. So I joke about Phillip Rivers loves to throw to tight ends. Friggin' Carson Wentz loves to throw to tight ends. Rodgers is facing a Cowboys defense that they're just, they're not good against tight ends. I don't think they get quite the attention that other teams do, but just a reminder, Logan Thomas, our perennial low tier pick, who we have not picked in two straight weeks, and he's so he's been awesome. <laughs> he had five catches for sixty yards and a touchdown. The Cowboys have given up at least one touchdown to opposing tight ends in every game this season since their opener. That's five straight. Now, one of those is cheating a little bit because uh, your boy for the Giants, and I just blanked on his name. Uh, what's your tight end's name? I can't remember. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram had a rushing touchdown. He did not have a receiving touchdown. But they still have had a tight end score. Again, in each one of these games, 
You look at Rodgers in his first game where he was the featured tight end. He had six catches for 85 yards against a much better defense against tight ends than the Cowboys. Uh, I expect Richard Rodgers to be in most of my lineups if Dallas Goddard doesn't play. And I think he is a guaranteed 10 points or more for that 3,900. And if you get lucky, like I did with the Burton pick a few weeks ago, and you you know sprinkle in a touchdown or two, you could potentially get you know, 20 to 25 points out of a guy for 3,900. There's not a receiver available that you can get that (laughs) out of. A running back, I think he is the best bargain play with the most ability at any position to have a big game that you're going to get for under $4,000. Yeah, he was my low-tier pick as well. Sorry about that, Joe. Oh, no no worries. Uh, The only thing I'll add to, to that is you know, the Giants have actually been pretty good against tight ends this year, even after his what well, was six catches for eighty some yards, right? Right. Yep. So even after that last, year, still on DraftKings the ninth best defense against tight ends. So he did that against a good tight end defense, and as you covered, Dallas is not a good tight end defense. And also, if if Dallas Goddard plays, I think he's a good play at forty five hundred. Oh, I agree. I absolutely That's, agree. That's le- they had him priced at less than Jimmy Graham, who's about three years past his sell-by date. Yeah, and then risky lately himself. He's he's been surprising, but again, I I'm selling on anybody in that Bears offense. Yep. And then he's the same price as Tyler Higby, who had a big week two and otherwise has been performing a disappearing act this entire what a season. He's been, especially for a so, He had three touchdowns in the first two weeks or three weeks, excuse me, and then since then has been like non-existent yeah so if, if you can get goddard at 4500 that's probably the lowest amount he's going to go for the rest of this year if he plays be so. sure to research that though because yes. like i said they are saying that he could play or be you know available but not you know coming right off the ready to have anywhere near a full you know game and again this is a if the cowboys are this bad and it looks like they are the Eagles could be up big. I think that could mean even less, you know, true, time that true. plays, even if they are, you know, he is available and starts. So just be careful with that. But if he is a not, uh, like, if he is a no-go, Richard Rodgers. Richard Rodgers, absolutely. Absolutely. So going to the flex, I never do this, and I'm disappointed in myself for it. I, I <laughs> never tell people to take that top guy. Devontae oh. Adams is 8,800. Uh but Adams is coming off a 13 reception, 196 yard performance, <laughs> two touchdowns versus the Texans last week. He is fully healthy for the first time since week one when he faced the bad secondary from the Minnesota Vikings that he will face this week. That he had 14 catches for 156 yards and two touchdowns as well. He has played three full games this season. In those three games, he has 43 targets, 33 catches. 416 yards and four touchdowns. If you can find a way to save the money, and we've given you some good bargain plays, and you could put Adams in at your flex or your wide receiver, you could get a 44.6 point performance like he had last week or a 47.6 performance like he had in week one versus the Vikings. And again, his one bust week, he had 12 points. So in the three weeks that he's played a full game, he has scored 44.6 points, 12.2 points, and 47.6 points. 
And again, he's playing the team that he had the 47.6 points against. Don't overthink this. This is only if you have the 8,800 with guys you like. If you have to force them in there, I don't recommend it. But if you can find the 8,800, I mean, it's like with Justin Jefferson's a few weeks ago. If you have a guy score 40 points at receiver, you are in serious business. And I think Adams could easily do that against a just terrible Viking secondary. And again, he's really the only big option they have at receiver, as we're proving week in, week out, as we'll include the you know, about a Scantley and these other guys, and they just aren't being bust. Devontae is the guy, and Aaron Jones may miss again. So all that leads to Devontae Ben being just a huge focal point of their offense. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he's priced at 8,800. Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, Keenan Allen's probably the only guy getting similar volume, and Devontae Adams is better than he is, and Aaron Rodgers is better than Justin Herbert. So get more targets, more touchdowns, more yards. Like, yeah. So yeah, if you took a you know a few of our lower tiered guys who I think are pretty good plays this week, and you wanted to throw him in to just get that automatic, probably automatic thirty. Yep. Then yeah, I think that can be a good play. Um, I, I went quite a bit cheaper, which is pretty much impossible <laughs> not to do. Um, this is probably the last week I think that we might be able to do this, but Mike Davis at 6,700. Uh, the, the last two weeks have been pretty disappointing from him, but those games were against the Bears and the Saints, who I think the Bears are maybe an elite defense, and the Saints no, are, are certainly well the above Bears average. Are an elite defense. I mean, they hung in that Rams game last week, you know, where it wasn't a runaway against what's supposed to be a pretty good. The Bears have an elite defense. Yeah, so the Bears are great. Saints are probably underrated. I think every year, really, that they've been good in the Drew Brees era, we just kind of forget, like, oh, wait, they're actually good this year again. The Falcons So, yes, exactly. He's playing the Atlanta Falcons, who he scored 30 points against a few weeks back. And he's a guy, again, where you're just – the volume's there. He gets receptions every single week. So, again – We've seen him struggle against some elite defenses, but against a team where we know Carolina is going to be able to move the ball, he's going to get a ton of opportunities. I mean, all but one week since McCaffrey's been out, he's had at least five receptions. So that's an automatic five points. And then outside of that Saints game where they really struggled, he's been seeing about 15 carries a week. So I think... Against that Atlanta defense, I think he's kind of the safest play again, like Boston Scott, where I expect this game to be pretty close. But even if Atlanta were to take a nosedive this week, Mike Davis is still going to put up plenty of he's points. He's going to benefit so. either way, too. Because if they exactly. get, if say that Falcons get smoked, it means they're going to run the ball more, especially with McCaffrey coming back. They're, they're not going to be opposed to you know running Davis a bunch. Ex- and again, exactly. if they get down a lot, Davis catches so many passes out of the backfield. It's probably only going to help this case and make it right. It's a win-win. Yep, exactly, and that's what I always look for. Uh, Honestly, my my middle tier guy was going to be yours, and I'll let you you know discuss him because I love that play. But I wanted to give another one, and he's a little bit on the expensive side. So if that's you know what you want to kind of do for your expensive flex, I'm okay with that. If you don't want to spend eighty eight hundred, but 
Todd Gurley's at 6,500. He has quietly yeah. became mm-hmm. a force at running back in fantasy. He has 94.6 points in his last five starts. That includes the 28-point performance against the Panthers' defense last time they played. Oh, by the way, Gurley has six touchdowns in his last five starts. I wish it was five. Uh, and 11 <laughs> catches on 15 targets. The Panthers run defense. If you've listened to this podcast, we've both gone on and on about how bad they are. Mm-hmm. Gurley should score at least a touchdown. Again, I think his floor this week is like 15 points because I do expect him to get a touchdown. And again, he's a bargain because floor is 15 points, and I think he has the ability to have a 28 to 35 point game again because if you look at it lately, he has been scoring a lot of their touchdowns. And I expect the Falcons to again to be able to move the ball on the Panthers, but they, for whatever reason, never are that explosive on offense. And they have realized when they get in the red zone that if they give it to Gurley, he will score. Uh, And I just, again, hate that it's being wasted on a season that's going nowhere because I I still think this Falcons team is overall pretty good. I mean, they've had three losses this season where they've had a 95% or better chance of winning uh, in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, you just win those three games. They're four and three. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that people probably are going, man, if they get their defense right, you don't want to face them. Instead, they're one and six, and they're awful. But Gurley is a bright spot. Panthers' defense is bad. Again, you're starting to see these matchups where they've faced the team before. Don't overthink it if you know it's a good matchup and they've had a good performance already in the season against them. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because when I was – trying to decide my final running back groups and my flexes. It was really Davis, Taylor, and Gurley were like neck and neck for me. And he was the one I decided not to go with. But, it, you know, he's it's because I... nowhere. I've been shocked. Like, I really have. Like, he's been great for a normal, traditional league because of all the touchdowns. I mean, he has six touchdowns in the last yeah. five games. Which, yeah, as a guy who owns a bunch of the Falcons wide receivers and Hayden Hurst in one league, yeah, I I prefer they pass, but (laughs) but it makes him a very good play. Um, Yeah, you mentioned my mid-tier guy, which is Brandon Ayuk at 5,800. Love this play. So, I mean, Debo Samuel is out, and even if he wasn't, I think Ayuk would be a good play this week, but that just means outside of Kittle. He's going to get the run. He's going to get the run. They're going to still do a lot of that Debo stuff, and if you Mm -hmm. remember, it was the Eagles game, right, that he had. uh, Was it the Eagles game? There was a a primetime game they had where I know he had a rushing touchdown. He ended up with like four or five carries, and Samuel was out. That's one of the main reasons I like this so much. So, yeah, especially when they're doing the ones where – it's essentially a run, but they count it as a pass because right, it's yep. forward. Mm-hmm. So that can be that's an automatic point there. Um, last week, six catches, 150 yards. He looked great. The one thing though is that I like about Ayuk, which separates him from Samuel, is that they don't just do kind of that more gimmicky stuff. Mm-hmm. He actually last week 107 air yards. That's how far the pass traveled before it reached him. So they throw downfield to him. That 107 air yards was more than Tyreek Hill had last week for comparison. And don't forget who they're playing. Seattle dead last against wide receivers. 369 yards passing a game against them. There's going to be so much opportunity, and he's primed to take advantage of it. Again, and 
Obviously, I think Kittle's going to be the number one every single week. But again, Seattle's actually, according to DraftKings, fifth against tight ends. Is it Bourne? Dead, Who's the other guy? There's another. Uh, yeah, Kendrick Bourne. I he's another forget, guy to look at. I think he's somewhere in the 4,000s. Yeah, he's like so, 4,400. I looked at him. So, too. yeah, I think he's also a low-tier guy where if you want to just take a swing, that, that's one of the ones that has the best chance of hitting. But I think Ayuk is probably an automatic right, double digits. Right. And, I mean, if I think he he's had... a touchdown for sure. Because, again, yeah. they've got running backs banged up. I think it's likely he, like in what has happened in the past with Debo, he might get three, four carries, including in the red zone, just giving more opportunities for him to get a touchdown. Yeah, if we're looking at wide receivers, and outside of maybe, like, Gio Bernard... Out running backs too at a, that are under six thousand that I think could hit thirty. I think Ayuk's like the guy. He's the guy who could just have a monster game that you're not going to have to pay a ton for. And he's been doing this with other guys being healthy. And again, we think it's going to be a shootout, which only helps him. Uh, before we get into the low tier plays, I know you said four nets, so we won't go back over that yeah. again at forty nine hundred. I do want to say that I think for daily fantasy, I'm completely now sold on the Seattle wide receivers. They're both oh, yeah. fantastic, but it is so hard to figure out which receiver is going to go. <laughs> and I mean, I'm seriously like, it is definitely, such, no, definitely. like you're going to get a bust and you're going to get a home run. So it almost negates it if you play both of them and it's too risky with their costs. Uh, to do it because the last week it looked like Metcalf was the better play. If you looked at the guys that had been well against Arizona, they were more big, fast, physical receivers. So, of course, he does nothing other than make one of the greatest come-from-behind tackles in the history of football. And Tyler Lockett had 20 freaking targets and 14 receptions. So, <laughs> I'm just – I'm done with them. They don't they don't yeah. even it out the throws to them, and it seems like it's either or, not ever both, and I just – I'm not doing them. Uh, but my low-tier guy is Rashard Higgins at 4,200. Mm. Like uh, I had mentioned with Aguilar earlier, he has scored a touchdown in three straight weeks. He's facing a middle-of-the-road Raiders defense against the pass, and obviously he's going to get more targets with OBJ out for the season. Last week he got all six of his targets, his touchdown, and 110 yards after OBJ was injured. I think you're going to see Jarvis Landry is going to become the guy that basically defenses focus in on trying to take away. That's only going to open up more things for Higgins. I am a little nervous that, uh, and I'm sorry, I forgot the name, but another Browns receiver who originally was the number three guy on the depth chart at the beginning of the season, he is coming off of IR. But everything is said, Higgins is going to get the opportunity to start off as the other receiver lined up across from uh, Landry and their two receiver sets because of his production over the last few weeks. I, I just think, again, this Browns-Raiders game is another one of those games that I think there's a lot of different guys that you can see having big performances. And, I mean, 4,200 for a guy that scored a touchdown in three straight weeks, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, to your, to your point, I mean, he's got a huge opportunity. He looked good last week. And anytime you can get a guy who looks like he could be a number one, number two receiver, because, I mean, Landry hasn't been that great. Mm-mm. He's always you, hurt. Yeah, when you have the opportunity to get those guys in those mid-low four thousands, I mean, but like we saw, obviously, I don't think he's Deontay Johnson, but we thought Deontay Johnson was the number one receiver, and we got him at forty-two hundred, and we're like, this is an automatic play. 
So if you're getting a guy you think is a top two receiver on a team for 4,200, I mean, you don't have to think too hard about it. Johnson's another guy this week. If he can get rid of the injury tag, I like Johnson this week at 5,200. I'm still not sure why he is below Schuster and Claypool because you made the beautiful point last week when he starts, he's their best receiver. He proved it. And yeah, they bumped up his, his salary, but he's still lower than the other two guys. And it just, it's been proven he is their best option. So even against a good Ravens defense, I really like him uh, this week if you can get him at 5,200 without the injury tag. Uh, the defense is real quickly before we get out of here because we have gone long. I know that won't surprise anybody. Um, <laughs> but when you're giving as much research and info as you do as we do, it happens. Uh, the Chiefs at 4,500 are my first one. I'll keep it simple. The Jets are bad. They're really bad on offense. <laughs> The Chiefs defense is good. I mean, they really are. They're a good defense. Don't overthink this. You have money to spend. Not to mention, I think the Chiefs get up early, which is going to mean either Sam Darnold or Joe Flacco is throwing it a bunch. And the Chiefs have a ball-hawking secondary this year. That is a win, win, win. If you had the 4,500, don't fret. Take the Chiefs. Who's your ter- uh, high-tier team, Joe? Um. The, I think the Eagles at 3,500, if if you're playing a game that counts the Sunday night game. I love this. Like, then I this didn't is even my, think about it. The quarterback. This might be one. my number one play of anything the entire week. Oh, if, you're right. 3,500s, you're not playing paying that quite top tier. And again, Dallas looks – they looked bad with Andy Dalton. Where's the genius of Mike McCarthy, right? They still have. And I'm not I'm – not And Kellen Moore is good last year. Right. They've, they've lost Dak Prescott, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm, I'm not right. down for that. But when you still have C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, like you're telling me they can't find a quarterback to just get the ball to them or a way to because – They've looked so bad the last two weeks. It's embarrassing. Like, it looks like they've given up. They need to make that Fitzpatrick trade, man. I, I said, honest to God, that might be the move at this point. Because obviously they're, they're still in trade it. for Matt Ryan, honestly. Because I can see the <laughs> Cowboys being the one team that would give up like two, three first-rounders. Because, Ryan, you can actually cut uh, next year and not lose a lot of cap space. So they would get hammered this year, I believe with the cap, but I think they could make it work. And if, you know, for my Falcons, I would like to give Ryan a chance to win a Super Bowl. I think he's that talented still. And I think I, he I for him Cowboys team, even with the offensive line issues they're having, I believe he could be very effective with Elliott and those three receivers. And the Cowboys defense isn't terrible. They're just tired of, you know, basically being on the field all the freaking time. I mean, I, I, I feel like if I'm the Cowboys, though, I'm looking at the way that that team looked with Dak Prescott and it's what their record was. Right. And, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be giving up any first-round picks. Why not go get but, Kaepernick then, you know, and try to make it a more run-heavy? Uh, uh, I mean, that would make sense, but Jerry Jones is the owner. so That's true. Yeah, he's a but, patron. Uh, he can't do that. But just, just so it's, it's Ben DiNucci is the quarterback now. And last week he came in. He threw three passes, and he took three sacks. So half the time he dropped back, he got sacked. The Eagles Eagles, have a good pass rush. They are third in the league in sacks. And the other thing is, I think people, if you just look at the basic stats, you'll see, oh, they've given up 4.5 yards per carry. 
But that's counting everyone who runs for the opposite team. If right. Probably everyone remembers Daniel Jones had an 80-yard run last week. Where he was against... tackled by the uh, same turf guy that tackled <laughs> Harry Douglas in the 2012 NFC Championship game. Exactly. So against actual running backs, 3.3 yards per carry. So it's not like they're just going to – so they're going to, I assume, be loading the box. They're not going to let Zeke beat them. So it's going to be all on Ben DiMucci, who's taken – who took three sacks on six dropbacks. So give me that Eagles defense. Anytime you have 3,500, when you get down to your defense, take the Eagles defense. This is a big game for them, too, which is the other oh, yeah. you know, big factor. They can get a stranglehold in the NFC East with a win here. So, I mean, this is a big game for them. I'm under the same thought process for my middle tier. It's the Buffalo Bills at 3,300. Mm-hmm. The Pats have been the worst offense in football the last three weeks. And shame on me and my confidence pools, my fantasy lineups. I've given Bill Belichick and the Patriots too much name recognition. That's over. They're bad. They oh. are a bad football team. We talked about the secondary is okay. Like, they're not as great as they were, but they're okay. They can't get any pass rush, which is honestly, I think, the real reason their secondary is struggling this year. And then the offense is horrendous. I mean, it's horrendous. Uh, it kind of shows what Cam was able to do the first couple of weeks because uh, since he's had COVID and hasn't looked the same, they look awful. Teams are forcing them to actually throw the ball down the field, which Cam has never been his strength. And, again, this is such a big deal for the Bills. Remember that the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Niners all scored in the top eight for defenses in the last few games against the Pats. And this is as big of a game for the Bills as, as, as they have. This is a chance to get the monkey off their back with the Pats. Their weakness is the rush attack. They, they're a team that is susceptible or like they can give up rushing yards. And I, I'm assuming that's what the Pats are going to do. But the good news is, is either A, it's going to be a low-scoring affair because the Pats are going to try to run it and keep the clock away, and that's one way for your defense to actually end up scoring some points as if it's a 17-14 to 14 game, or B, if the Bills get up early, which if I'm the Bills, that's my game plan. Is let's jump on these guys right off the bat and then make Cam Newton and that offense start throwing the ball down the field. If they do that, they have been giving up so many turnovers and so many sacks lately that that is going to lead into the strength of the Bills' defense, which is their secondary and their pass rush. I think either way at 3,300, this is a potentially bad matchup uh, for the Pats. And the Bills are at home. I just I could see this becoming a game where they roll the Pats, have a defensive touchdown, you know, get seven, eight sacks. If We're not even talking about if Stidham gets put in the game, which is a possibility. I really like the Bills at 3,300. Yeah, I like that pick. I, the also, the, how bad Seattle's defense is is just like when you look at what <laughs> the Patriots did against them. It's just another oh, reminder. Exactly. It's and that, that's even more reason that you should like Ayuk. I actually like your Jimmy G play. Is that I mean they're bad and the 49ers don't have a lot of healthy running backs. Uh, so my mid tier play is the Colts at thirty one hundred. This one's pretty simple for me. Again, I think Detroit is like the most average offense in the NFL. I think on on outsiders, Unless they need to go eighty yards in a minute with uh, you know, <laughs> against the Falcons, in which case they're pretty good. Yeah, the only t- the only time they're good. Um, yeah, I think on outsiders they're like eighteenth in DVOA. 
On PFF, Stafford's the 21st QB this year. They're just a mediocre team. And the Colts have been an elite defense this year. Colts have 10 interceptions this year. I believe that's first in the NFL. Their 71.7 QB rating allowed is definitely first in the NFL. They're second in yardage allowed, fourth in points, third in DVOA. I believe on DraftKings, they're second only to the Ravens in fantasy points per game. So you're getting an elite defense against an average offense at 3,100. Uh, to me, that's just a solid play. Elite defense. And then we have the same low tier, so why don't you go ahead and start with them? Oh, really? Yep. I mean, shoot, I didn't, I didn't even look at your low tier defense. I'm, so we're rolling the dice on the Miami Dolphins. They, they came through for us, obviously, against the Jets. That's clearly a much different animal than the, the Rams. But they're third in points allowed, so they've been pretty solid. They, they've excelled against the bad offenses, although San Francisco, honestly, outside of that Miami game, has not been a bad offense. I, and they have, we've got to remember, they gave up 31 to the Seahawks, which that's not exactly a ton of points to an offense like the Seahawks. And this is a, I think this is a good defense. They have 17 sacks. I agree. Uh, I don't believe in Jared Goff still. Uh, they have been success, uh, susceptible to the run a little bit, the Dolphins have. I don't think the Rams have a great running back. They don't even know who they want to be their guy. And, again, 17 sacks. They have nine takeaways. And I just I have a feeling that Tua is also just a confidence pick for everybody. Sure. That it's like, And this is no disrespect to Fitzpatrick. I don't want to come off that way, but – when you're a team and you're going basically from a three-and-a-half-star recruit to the top-five-star recruit in the country, I just think that's <laughs> going to get everybody jazzed up where everybody's like, you know, the defense, that they don't have to be perfect anymore. They're thinking we got a guy that's and, – and, again, you made the great point that I hadn't really thought about. Fitzpatrick is somebody who's known to turn the ball over. Tua is not, which is going to make the defense, I think, play a little bit true, more aggressive true. in situations. Uh, and, again, I don't trust – Jared Goff, especially if you can get pressure on him, which I think they will. And the Dolphins' D has uh, scored 12 or more points in half of their their games. Uh, and they haven't had a negative point game, which almost – no That's huge for me. Yep. Go ahead. Because, yeah, against Seattle and Buffalo, they gave it 31. They still got positive points. So, obviously, you know, we're not like all in, like this defense is a great play. But they're 2,400. And if you've got a team where you're like, I'm confident at 2,400 at minimum, I'm going to get a few points, that's huge. Because you're spending and it's nothing. It's in Miami, right? So the Rams are going across the country. And another early game. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of things that I, I actually, like, I, I'm full disclosure, I saw your pick. You know, normally I send him hub picks before you send in yours. And I was going to go something different. And then the more I thought about it and the more I looked at it, I think the Dolphins may be sneaky good the rest of the year, especially if it's Tua is defense. It's I possible. mean, it's decent because their defense has been good now for about a year and a half. I, I just, you can't, I, I'm not going to give them a bad mark for giving up 31 to Seattle and Buffalo. If anything, it makes me feel like they're a good defense. And again, remember, New England just got housed by the San Francisco 49ers with basically all the same players. I actually think that they had more healthy players for the Dolphins game than they did this last one uh, against the Pats. I just, I think the Dolphins defense is sneaky good. And again, 
Tua is going to make their offense a little bit better, and I do think the game plan is going to be short, dink, and dunk. They're not going to be having yeah. them throwing it way down the field, especially against this first front four. So they're going to have longer drives. I just there's a lot of things. Call it mojo, whatever. Uh, I like this play. Now again, the scary thing about it is the Dolphins. Tua could end up being really bad, and that's you know it's his first game. Aaron Donald's right. going to be you know all over him, I'm sure, but. That could lead to obviously, you know, bad touchdowns to a team where if they throw a pick or they keep punting, you know, out of their end zone or whatever. But I, I just have confidence in Tua, and I'm starting to have confidence in this Dolphins defense because again, they shut down the Jets' offense more than any oh, team has this season. So maybe they are just a, a pretty good team, and we, we've talked about we like some of their weapons. So I love that play. Uh, so real quickly before we get out of here, it just every week is something with our football team. For y'all that don't know, Joe's a Giants fan. I'm a Falcons fan. Uh, my team oh, had God. their worst loss of the season, which is hard to believe in the something. Cowboys game. But it was. Like, that one was more gut-wrenching. And it's it's there's nothing that says more about being a Falcons fan than my dad, my, my good buddies. When Gurley accidentally scored, which I want to give credit to the defender for the lines. I don't know if this was on like on purpose or not, but one of them stopped. The uh -oh. other one half-heartedly tried to tackle him. And I really think it confused Gurley. And because mm -hmm. that one guy was trying to tackle him, he kind of broke off. Right. And then he realized what was going on. He was like, oh, shit. And then it was <laughs> too late, and he crossed the goal line. Only in a Falcons game can you see the fucking defense raising up their hands for a touchdown when the offense might have scored and the Falcons oh, guys going, no, 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 we didn't get in. And just the fact that we all knew when they scored and they called that a touchdown, I had no doubt the Lions were going down to, to score a touchdown and win that game. Zero doubt. We all knew. That's how battered and beaten our psyches are as Falcons fans. <laughs> we knew it. And that's why I am finally to the point, as much as I love Julio, as much as I love Ryan, You've got to burn the franchise to the ground. They, they've started it with the coach and GM, but I really do believe until you get rid of that stink, and I mean every player that was on that roster and that was involved with that collapse and all oh these collapses in the years past, we will not get past it. Uh, and then your team, which let's, let's be honest, they would be kind of in control of the vision if they win that game. Daniel Jones... <sighs> Is tackled by the turf, which I know you probably don't remember well, I mean, this because you're a non-Falcons fan. Right, right. Henry Douglas in the <laughs> NFC Championship game against the Niners. Same thing right. happened. He is running down the sidelines, and to this day, I don't know what happened. He just fell. Jones, <laughs> you could at least say he got gassed, right? Like I think he just ran out of uh, steam and kind yeah. of you know, tripped. But I, I've I've been there. <laughs> and then for them to score with it was it third? Or, like there was some questionable calls too. Uh, by the refs there, there were one last or two. drive. There was two pretty bad calls. I know there was one that gave him a first and goal uh, after they just called a holding, right, to make it like first and 15 or whatever. Well, no, no, the, the calls were earlier to make it first and goal, and then right after that we got well, the holding got, on they them. they scored the touchdown. Yeah, right? it was like, oh, great, now we have a chance. Oh, now they scored. Okay, well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, to, to your point. Right? What are the Giants, one game back? I think they're, I think because the Eagles had that tie or a game and a half back. Okay, that sounds right. And to your point, we also had a you know a crushing loss to Dallas, where obviously like Dak went out, oh, yeah. so we were facing Andy Dalton, and we'd already blown like a fourteen point lead. 
and we had the chance to drive for the winning field goal, and then we didn't, and they did it instead. And normally losing to Dallas is the worst thing that can ever happen to me. <laughs> but this is the third straight year in Philadelphia we've blown a double-digit lead. It's just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? And yeah, I was like, I actually was like flipping back and forth between that and the debate. And then finally the debate ends. I'm just watching the Giants. And we go on what is a 97-yard touchdown drive. And it's like, ah, it was six minutes. Like, we got this. They've scored 10 points all game. And then even when we blow blow it and give, give them up the quick score, you know, again, we were just pounding the run. We're moving downfield. Perfect pass to Evan Ingram on third down with just over two minutes left. Off his fingertips. Like, he catches that and the game's over. We win. We're in a three-way tie with Washington and Dallas. Comparisons now, right? Like he reminds me oh, so God. He, more and more every week. I think you nailed it on that. 100%. He's so talented, and that's the way Cook was. Where it just like you're like, how is this guy not always open and always scoring touchdowns and always, you know? And it just, uh, but I do feel a little bad for you know your Giants just because I don't think you know yet what you have in, in Daniel Jones because how many it's games? It's impossible to know. Like how many does he play with Barkley? Seven, eight. It's not many, right? Maybe. That was probably in that range. And then your receiving core is a, you know, kind of like what we joked with the Houston receiving core. They're always banged up. You never have a full complement of re- receivers. And no. the offensive line is not very good. So That's you have, bad. so you have, <laughs> like, I actually think Jones has impressed me. And again, I'm not watching I, every game, but just from like right. watching him play, like he's, you can see the talent and why they took him. And, you know, I had joked with you that I saw him getting a big run in that Eagles game because he's deceptively so fast. And you made the point that outside of Lamar Jackson, right, I think yeah. he had fastest runs for a quarterback clocked. And then he had that 80-yard run and fell. But, again, the only thing I can say to you is the season ain't over because I don't see any team oh, in God, the season so getting deceptively. <laughs> I don't. I just don't. See I think the Eagles might. I think the Eagles might if they're because Wentz has started to look good again, and okay. they're getting healthier. I mean, no one else is going any to. good that are getting healthy. Because I mean, I think Alshon Jeffries washed. Deshaun Jackson's now on the. Uh, That's I think true, but but getting um, the tight ends back is going to be huge. Tight ends back will be big. You're right, and, and they're secretly pretty good. Like that's kind I, of a surprise. Yeah, they're not bad. Dallas. I think the Giants' defense is actually pretty good. If you look at the teams they pull, shockingly competent. Like, yeah, like they don't give up a ton of points. The Redskins' defense is just flat out good. Yeah, they're good. Ton of pressure. They just unfortunately they don't they can't score. Uh, And then the Eagles' defense has been you know pretty good this season. The D line is still good. Yeah. So it's it's just something. And then I I have to watch the NFC South and like tonight. uh, It just. Where everyone else is good. <laughs> yeah, and again, it just bothers me because I still think if you look at talent-wise, we're just as talented as the team uh, as any team in the league. Because even with guys like Grady Jarrett, you know, Deion Jones, like we even have guys on the defensive side that I think any it's, team would kill yeah. for. Like they would take them in a heartbeat. It's just a a bad scheme, and uh, yeah. it just shows I, I, how close we are. You get rid of Mike Quinn. And then you have a new coach make the same bad decisions. I don't know if you watched the game. It was fourth and five with us down at that point. I believe it was either one or three. Or no, excuse me. It was either one or four. 
and we didn't take the, the field goal. And I mean, it was a chip shot. Mm. It was like a 28 yarder. We went for it, didn't get it. I don't understand that. And then obviously, again, I just like either Todd Gurley is the dumbest man on the planet or the last thing or what they were really like hammering home on that run play was do not score. Obviously, it did not happen. It reminds me of the Cowboys game all over again when it's like you just called a timeout. How did you not tell your guys, like, jump on it? Right. Like, you can jump on it before they can. That's the advantage of the 10-yard rule. Like, just jump on it, and it's over. Uh, it just – the coaching is just so bad. And I was actually hopeful for Raheem Morris because the defense has looked a little bit better, uh, you know, except for the garbage time against the Vikings. But – it's just I just don't know, and I, I the one I take that back. The one thing I do know is we will screw up our draft status. We will win some meaningless games down the stretch, and we'll Puts end up five and eleven. We'll, oh, they'll probably go six and ten. They only <laughs> five wins. They have some easy games left on the schedule. They'll end up in that twelve to eighteen pick range and just drive mm. me nuts. Which is why kind of like what happened with the Hawks for so long. You can't oh, ever yeah. get any better because you never really had. You're, you're never really great. You're never really, you know, awful. You're just kind of, you know, mediocre, which is just the worst as a fan, in my opinion. Well, I will say that I have seen worse where uh, towards the end of the Coughlin era, it was like week one or two, we had a game where we purposely did not score, even though a field goal still left it a one-score game, and then we lost. (laughs) So we had guys purposely not running in when that would have closed out the game, which I think can truly not be topped. But yeah, you, you and I are just trading like who's having the worst week it's been, every it's week. Been bad. So, uh, and I uh, and I do apologize that we turned the end of the podcast most weeks into the our sob stories. Bitch about the Giants and Keith bitch about the Falcons, but it's it's unbelievable. Again, uh, we lost three games with a ninety five percent chance win probability in the fourth quarter this season. That's the kind of loss that most franchises have, uh, like once every five years. We've had three and seven games, uh, and I don't know uh, if anything better sums up being a Falcons fan. But uh, right, to, to end on an optimistic note, yeah, let's do it. Neither, neither of our teams will be starting Ben DiNucci this week. So. That's very true, and I can laugh at Cowboys fans because you know they are the the mighty Cowboys. And I'm like, this is the best you got. Like, I, I thought for sure Jones would have traded or signed somebody, and we're getting to the point where like he's gonna play. Like this dude's playing. And then the, the Cowboys, of course, only two wins against our teams. So the Cowboys fans can also laugh at us while we the laugh Cowboys at them. One was the literally <laughs> the luckiest one. It's like what I tell people: though, if you want to like take sauce in that, have at it because yeah, I mean we blew it. Uh, so it doesn't really say anything about your team. It says more about mine, which I already know we suck. So, um, but I am. Uh, I will tell you, like full disclosure, I'm not as confident in our picks this week. As I have been the last couple of weeks, I actually think last week was the most confident I felt. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty tricky uh, matchups, but I do like uh, a lot of our plays, and I really do think me and Joe have kind of figured out to a certain extent how to build good lineups because uh, particularly our wide receivers. Uh, I mean, like seriously, the wide receivers each week have just been home runs. And I think we're starting to do that with our running backs and other positions where we're really making sure that it's a terrible matchup because that's something we've done with the wide receivers from the get-go is they either have to be like the number one target guy in the on the right. team, on teams you know it's going to throw, or they have to be playing like the Vikings, the Falcons, the Seahawks, you know, the Texans. 
these bad secondaries. I know that I'm starting to adjust, you know, my running backs and tight end situations as well to where it's like, again, it's the same thing. I either need a guy that I know is going to get a ton of targets for their price or they're playing a really bad defense because that seems to be what's working. But uh, I'm hoping we have another week of just phenomenal plays. So I always tell people, full disclosure, we can't guarantee it. But I think the best sell we can make on this podcast is that me and you both are putting a lot of time and effort uh, into our picks and doing the research. And you can't ask for anything more than that, because even if you end up not going with one of our picks or deciding against it, you at least will know what defenses are bad, what teams give up points. You know, maybe you don't like the number one receiver for the Panthers, but you decide to go with more. Or, you know, you don't like, uh, you know, A.J. Green, but you decide you're going to go with Tyler Boyd. You know, those kind of deals. But we do hope they continue to be successfully. I apologize again that this podcast will get up late. I'm going to get it up like 10, 15 minutes. That was on me. I didn't feel well yesterday. Joe, I appreciate you making time to do this in the middle of the day. And uh, I'll probably be misery texting you tonight during the falcons Panthers <laughs> game, if that's okay. Since you did last week for the uh, Giants-Eagles game. Perfect. All right, Joe. I appreciate it, man. You have a great one. You too. See you guys next week.